my phone, it'll work. There you go. That that song always is, is one of those ones that you kind of get you. And, and I grew up in, in the church, and I remember hearing it sung lots of different times, different places. Um, and I'm kind of aware now that most of the language in it, you can put it back up, that'd be cool. The most of the language in it, like, you know, we don't normally use the in our in our normal you know everyday language, and the word exalt isn't necessarily one that we we kind of um, use regularly. But I was just thinking this morning as we as we are worshiping and singing, I exalt thee. We we are in this moment, yes, um, but we have opportunity throughout our life and throughout our time to exalt, which is to put God first to another way of putting it is um, as best we can and know that God is so kind but as best we can not let anything in life overwhelm us or take or take the place that God so desperately wants in our life and man are there not things <laughs> that just are like overwhelmed is it just me you know, like, are, are there not just things? Can you not just think for a minute of easily three things in life that that can take the place of of our attention, our worry, our hope, our whatever it is? And I really felt like we. I felt like the invitation of God to actually. Um, just take a few minutes. You know, we've done silence before, but but in this in these few minutes of silence, is have a conversation with God and best you can, whether it's even writing it down or just in in prayer and in silence, lay those things before God. You know, and He's so kind and so faithful because how many of you also know and it's like, God, I wanna do this, but like the bit of me that wants to do this is about this big. And there's a whole lot of the rest of me that doesn't want to do it. But I want to be, I want to honor that little bit that says, God, I exalt thee. You know, it's like, Lord, I believe, but help my unbelief. Isn't it beautiful that scripture is so honest about the, how hard this is? And so I really feel like, yeah, I'll, I'll shut up. And we're just going to take a few minutes, just as best you can those things that war for our praise, those things that take so much of our mental energy, the so many things that are, are vying for our, our exalting, which is just, it's our attention. It's, our, it's where we put our hope. It's where we put our trust. It's the thing that we want more than anything else in the world. Thank you for your loving kindness. And as we consider um, what it is to, to put you in the front of everything, to lay everything at your feet, God, we thank you that you meet us. We thank you that you run to us.
God, we thank you that you remind us of who we are. How much you love us. Amen. Wonderful. Thank you. Thanks, Matt. Thanks, Richard. Not, not only playing one instrument, but two. Well done. It felt like it was a little bit of showing off, but hey, it's only me. You know, you not, being able, to, not being able to play any instruments whatsoever. I, I did. That no, was great. But you don't get a chocolate, you do both at once. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> Wonderful. Hey, um, so this morning we are going to start a, a new series for the month of November called um, Our Taonga, which is treasure series. And this morning I'm going to be looking at what the power of the gospel of the kingdom of God. And so many of you may or may not know Taonga, as I just said, is, is a treasure. It's a treo word meaning treasure, but there's, there's so much more to it than, say, you know, a pile of gold stashed away. It's, it's more embodies, um, Taonga embodies um, like the valuable things, the things that we hold precious. Um, taonga is things that we have been given, but, but really, really importantly, and where I feel there's, it's such a wonderful word, is that we've been given those things that you've been given um, but in, even more importantly, Taonga has embodied within it that it is something that we hold on to and we treasure in our moment, but ingrained in it is we know that it is the thing that we are going to pass on to the next generation. It's an inheritance. It's something that we, we have. It's something that makes us. It's like our family traditions. I know all, all of us will have have those things that our families do that in many ways sort of embody what makes us who we are. And in this series, we want to sort of look at the taonga or the treasures that we as a vineyard church, we as the Vineyard New Zealand movement, but also we as the vineyard as a worldwide family have. Um, have has anyone been to a vineyard church other than Maharangi Vineyard somewhere else? in the world. And I'm going to take it out on a, a limb, but, but when you walk through the doors and you experience that gathering, was there something that you could recognize that brought you, made you think of here? No one. Complete no. Of course. It's, it's those, our taonga is, is those things, those threads, those treasures that make us who we are. Um, it's the treasures that we take with us and we run. The thing about Taonga is we take them, we hold them, we hold them really precious and we run with them and we contextualize them as we go on. So what I mean by that is say, like there's a, there's a couple of, of examples, we contextualize them for the generation that we find ourselves in, the places that we find ourselves in. An example of, of that is what I kind of mean is like my parents were... Um, we're great, or are, they're still around, are great cooks. Actually, I could say we're because they haven't cooked me anything in ages. Um, but that's more about me than them. But there, I grew up 
seeing my mom and my dad um, cooking, cooking for it. They were incredible. Like mom and dad could, could literally cook the two of them for 200 people and know and have their proportions down pat. Like at the end of it, everyone was stuffed and there was a little bit, maybe a tiny bit. They were just fantastic about it. But, but, but with me, and I've taken that on, that taonga has been passed on to me. I love to cook, but, I, but it's been contextualized in a way. I was thinking, without sounding disparaging to my mother and father, but it kind of will, um, is mum and dad's idea of, of seasoning is salt and pepper and ketchup. Do you know, like, if you, knew, if you knew the kind of food that I grew up in and the kind of food they cooked, it's beautiful, but normally the, the basis for cooking greens is you boil it until it's a greenish gray, and then it's done. Do you know, like, this is sounding very disparaging. I love my mom and dad. But, but what I've done is, to, can you, do you see what I mean with the taonga? I've taken that. My mom wouldn't know what gochujang paste is if it hit her in the head, or, or Chinese black vinegar, or, or whatever it is. But, but the taonga of cooking for people, of, of being hospitable, of, of speaking love to someone else through the median of food, that has been passed on to me, and I have done something with it that they haven't or don't know about. And hopefully my kids one day will care, I'm hoping, because I'm kind of getting sick of cooking all the time, but hopefully one day, none of them are even in the room to get the hint, but my kids will take on part of that taonga, that treasure, and contextualize it in something more. Maybe fine French cuisine. I'd love to do that. That sounds great, doesn't it? You know, so, so we, we pass those things on. It's the same treasure, but it's contextualized for a new, for a new generation or a new season. Very much like what we, what we announced last week. I think that's the thing that I'm finding welling up within me as far as the opportunity, the great privilege that we have as Maharangi Vineyard to take on the taonga of a group of people for the last 160 years of the Maharangi history have been meeting in that site, worshiping Jesus, have been, have been praising God, who have been giving their life, their time, their energy, and their money for the mission of going into all the world and creating disciples, making disciples, baptizing in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Now, what we're doing, what we have the unbelievable privilege of doing is carrying on that taonga, but, but contextualizing in a way. Woe be us if we were to sing the same songs and do ministry and, and, and mission the same way it was done 160 years ago. That's not our call, but oh my goodness, do we not hold on to that taonga, that treasure, and then we pass it on. Like, how great will it be one day? We haven't even got it yet, and I'm thinking about passing it on to someone else. But how great will it be that forever in the history of that number five um, Pullum Road is that Maharangi Vineyard will be part of that. But so much more than that is the treasure that's embodied in that. So we take that taonga, we take it to the next level, and like, wow, what a leg up. Like, do you, do you honestly, do you get the leg up we've been given as Maharangi Vineyard of 160 years? That's a 
decent leg up. And so we get to run with that. And then imagine the next generation and the generation after that. That we are, as we think of Taonga, we are stewards or guardians of the treasures that we've been given. God has created and inspired our vineyard tribe to be unique. I said it last week, you know, we're not so great at sort of blowing our own trumpet. But the kingdom of God or our community needs Maharangi Vineyard to be the very best to, to hold and to steward all of the treasures we've been given. And it doesn't mean we're better than, than all of the other incredible expressions of faith in our area, but we have something our community needs. And it's a treasure we've been given, and it's our opportunity, and it's our privilege to steward that treasure well. Jenny's with me. Love it. So, as I said, for the next, for the next few weeks, for the month of November, we're just going to go through and name a few and remind ourselves of the few of the Tawanga or treasures that we've been given as the vineyard family. And, and uh, like I say, it's not that they aren't present anywhere else in the, in the body of Christ or in the, the church big C, but these are things we believe and know that we've been especially given to, give, to, to, to steward. And the thing about the gifts of the Spirit, and I want to speak this into, we, I hope we're all sitting here knowing that we've all been given treasure as well within us and the gifts of the Spirit, the things that, we've, that, that are unique to us that God has given to us, is the thing about the gifts that when God gives them, they were never made to sit in a glass cabinet somewhere high, just observed from a distance. Like we might think of treasure like I have a I have a whole china cabinet filled with Hutchenruther, this beautiful German porcelain or is it porcelain, whatever it is. Um, and it sits behind the glass cabinet and we never use it because it's like, ugh, if we use it, you've got to put it, you've got to hand wash it because it can't go through the dishwasher and surely someone will chip one. And and I often kind of look at it now and I and I did it saying, you know, like you you have to have noble reasons for why you spend lots of money and time searching for these things. I thought, oh, I'll do it so I can give it to the kids one day as an inheritance. And the kids are like, well, we don't want it. <laughs> so I'm just hoping one day it'll skyrocket and I'll be able to sell it all and buy a McLaren or something with it. But who knows? That's in my deep... But those are not the Taonga that we're talking about, the things that sit in cabinets collecting dust. The, the, the gifts that God give us, the taonga that we've been given, the irony is the best thing we can do with the treasures we've been given is give them away. To be unbelievably generous, to, to, to give them away again and again and again, knowing that we can never outgive God. Knowing that when it comes to the taonga or the treasures that we have been given, we can nev we'll never reach the end of it if what we do is give them away all of the time. And the first treasure that, that I want to look at, or taonga, is this power of the gospel of the kingdom of God. We have been entrusted with the most powerful good news that the world has ever he seen or heard. 
If you have a Bible or a device, let's turn to Matthew 9. One of the things about a context that I was thinking about this morning is about two weeks ago, three weeks ago, I was working outside in one of the brief moments of sunshine that we've had in the last six years, it feels like. Not that I'm dramatic in any way. Um, but I was outside working, and Gus, my, our dog, was sick. And I got up quickly and went to run inside to get him. And I picked up my iPad, and, and it flicked out and fell straight into the water feature. So, so contextually, this sermon was written with, I had to go down to the library and pick out the old books. I look at Maz, because, you know, and it's like all of a sudden I was sort of writing with like, ah, oh, I forgot how much, how much bigger of a desk you need when you actually physically have to open four different versions of the Bible. After you, yeah, the Maz, yeah. Whereas, I'm sorry, but like one app, and you've got like every version there was. Same treasure, same sermon, just different contexts. And so I want to read um, from Matthew 9, but, but really just quickly going through. So this portion of, of Matthew is just talking about right in the middle of Jesus' ministry, so where, he's, where he's, um, he heals at the beginning of Matthew 9. He heals a paralyzed man. He's just going through in this one after the other after the other, where his disciples talk about fasting and why aren't why John's disciples are saying, why, why don't your disciples do the same thing? And Jesus has this incredible discourse with them. And then he talks about healing um, uh, the blind man. And, and so just it's healing after healing after healing. And then it comes to the very end. And Jesus, it says this, picking up in verse 35. Jesus went throughout all of the towns and villages, teaching in their synagogues, their gathering places, and preaching the good news of the kingdom and healing every kind, every disease and sickness. And when he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were, they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. And then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. You know, throughout the, the um, synoptic gospels, and synoptic is, is Matthew, Mark, and Luke, and all, all that means is they were, they were made to be seen together or, or read together. The, we see, and then even in, in John as well, we see this picture of Jesus from many different angles or different perspectives, and yet telling this this broader story of who Jesus is, of, of what he's like. And throughout it, there is this profound and consistent, repetitive narrative and message of the good news of the kingdom of God that Jesus said over and over and over again in the words that he spoke, but in the deeds that he did, that the kingdom of God has come. And his invitation was to repent and believe. What that means is to turn. Turn toward this kingdom. Turn toward the message that Jesus is, is speaking. And believe that he is who he says he is. That he is indeed the Messiah. In him, through him, God is putting this, this word of salvation. And he put it in another way. As N.T. Wright often says, is that he's come to put the world to right. Like, 
There's so much wrong in this world. There's so much broken in this world. There's so much pain and hurt and isolation in this world. And yet Jesus' good news is that he has come. And in his coming, he's brought with him the kingdom of God. A great challenge, I think one of the greatest we have in the vineyard, is, is that we know, that I hope we know, that we have an understanding of the kingdom of God. When Jesus came, his kingdom came with him. But he's coming again, and when he does the second time, he brings his kingdom in its fullness. When it's all put to right, from the top to the bottom, from the left to the right, and there is nothing left, there's nothing broken that isn't going to be healed. There's nothing sick that isn't going to be made well. That every tear is going to be wiped away. Everything we hope for, we will see the fulfillment of it. And it will be better than we ever hoped or imagined. That's the kingdom. That's the good news of the kingdom. And, and Jesus' invitation to, to that first century hearers and to us today, all of these thousand years later, is that we're being invited to repent. That is to turn from, from our own perspective, from our own, all the things that we thought about in the quiet time, in, the, in, that, in, that, um, in that moment is to turn and believe that Jesus is who he said he is. That he is the Messiah. In him, through him, God is putting to right all of the world. And we see that in moments of the breaking in of the kingdom. Those moments where God, God comes close those moments where the strongholds of this world in a moment crumble to the ground. And what we thought, what we perceived to be unbeatable, uncrushable, you know, just incredibly powerful, there are moments that they break and they crumble to the ground. That nothing, and we, where we have an understanding that nothing can stand in God's presence. It's, it's those moments when the kingdom comes near and no matter how strong or how fortified the prisons that we find ourselves in or find others in in this world, it's the moment when the kingdom of God comes and, and even the strongest heavily locked doors are flung open and people are set free. That's the kingdom of God breaking in. That's the good news of the kingdom. It's those things that are so, the chains that we still have in our world, that we still experience in our lives or our loved ones experience in their lives, certainly that our community experience in their lives, the chains that bind people, the chains that not only bind people, but chains that bind generations, that, that fathers, grandfathers who struggle with with this chain who goes to their, to their son, to their children, to their children's children. And yet we have the good news of the kingdom that in a moment the kingdom of God can come and the most powerful, most evasive, most horrific chains that, that can destroy families are broken in an instant and children are set free from the sins of their fathers and grandfathers and father's fathers. And something breaks and life is changed, not only in an individual, 
but in an entire family and generations can be, trajectories of whole families can be shifted in a moment of the kingdom of God breaking in. That's the good news of the kingdom. That's our taonga. That's what we need to give away to our community. That's the message we need to remind and tell for the first time. The hope of, of our community, of our world. That the power of the kingdom of God is still active. Even more than ever before. Because aren't the chains even... It feels like they're more damaging. More painful. It's not. But, but oh my goodness. Like they're so prevalent. The gospel of Jesus is still incredibly good, good news. And its power still has... Is, is still powerful enough to shift and to break and to make a difference. That we must never forget our taonga. We must never forget the power of the gospel. Paul said, says in his letter to, to the Romans, in, in Romans 1.16, I am not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God for salvation for everyone who believes. It's the power of God to put to right Hear that in the word salvation. It's the power of God to put everything to right. All that is broken. All that is hurting. All that is just the longing for. For, all, for everyone who believes. When we, when we decide to put our trust, to put our hope in Jesus, the power of the gospel is released and it brings salvation. It brings that putting to right. And it's in moments and it's in glimpses that carry on and that ripple throughout communities. That ripple throughout our world. I loved last week, I got a message from someone saying that in, in that Pullum Road site, they remember as a young person being part of a youth group, a hundred strong. Like, like it's, that's the kingdom of God breaking in and, and how so many years later that those ripples still go throughout. Those hundred plus youth, you know, that, that have gone into all the world. That's the breaking in of the kingdom. That's the power of God to change people's lives. And it's Maharangi Vineyard. I think... I'd love to speak it over everyone, but this is, this is my context right here and now. But for, as for Maharangi Vineyard, I want that taonga of the power of the kingdom of God, the gospel of the kingdom of God, to be front and center in all that we do. That we don't for a minute put that on a shelf somewhere behind glass and treasure it from a distance. But we walk around with it. We give it away generously. That we believe. We believe in it for ourselves. We believe in it for our family. But we believe in it for the world around us. You, we think about, we, you think about when, you, when you read through the Gospels. And so much of, of um, Jesus' ministry. And the outworking of that power of the Gospel. Is focused on, on the sick being healed. You know, there's so many different examples of, of sickness, of disease, of physical impairment, of, of, of how, and how so much of that, I believe, 
is because it really did embody the impossible of a first century life. Do you know, like, in a first century context, if you had a heart condition, or like that, if you were, if you were blind, or, or the woman in the Bible had an is- who had an issue of blood, today, like, how, how much can we just, even with our imagination, just how impossible that was? Like how in the culture, I'll use that for that woman, how, how that one condition not only represented, it represented isolation because it meant the culture, she was unclean. It represented she was, she was not only isolated from her community on, from, a, from a daily life type of aspect, but it meant she was isolated from being able to worship, being able to, to, to get together. So she was, she was ridiculed for that condition. She was she was hungry for, for relationship. And, and then, and then the, the unbelievable physical pain of the doctors or the, the cures that they kind of had come up with. And, and all of them throughout the New Testament, all of the sickness and disease and physical impairment um, just embodied the impossible. And yet the good news of the kingdom is when God, the power of the gospel of the kingdom of God is impossible means nothing. In a moment, what feels like the overwhelming impossibility is crumbles to the ground. That all is put to right. Today, we have incredible advances in science. We have incredible and doctors and nurses and healthcare professionals. We have unbelievable advances in counseling and, and mental health professionals. We have social welfare. Like a lot of a lot of the sickness that we see in that in in that first century context is, you know, if you were blind or if you were lame and you couldn't work, there was no social welfare. There was no one other than the kindness of maybe family or the odd stranger, you you weren't going to go down to a social welfare and get on a sickness benefit. But with all that has happened in the last 2,000 years, we still live in a world that, that the impossible still exists. There is still desperation in our world. There is still hopelessness in our world. Angela and I just... Um, we're with friends who were sharing of their own experience of with all of this going on, just the desperation in their parental heart for their children, for their child. And with all of the advances, they still are in a place where they need God to break in. They long for the breaking in of the kingdom, the power of God to come in and to shift. For the kingdom of God and its power to make, it, to make a way that has not been able to be made in any other way, in any other advancement. And don't hear for a moment that I don't think we are incredibly privileged and all of the incredible science and mental health and all of that is just wonderful. It's wonderful, but we should not forget that the power of God is still needed today. That all around us, that the 
the, the tawonga that we carry is that when we encounter, when we know that our world is still harassed, going back to that first scripture, is still harassed and is still hopeless and is still wandering around like sheep without a shepherd, the tawonga that we carry with to our world around us is we know someone who can help with that. And his name is Jesus. I've gone on long enough. So there's no way that I want to talk about just the telling of the power of the, um, the good news of the gospel. But let's give it a go. I, a couple of things just in preparing. I had, I had sort of knowing this message was rolling around in my head. I had a conversation with someone this week, and they were, um, they kind of started out by saying, oh, I heard you guys have bought the, the Presbyterian church. And I said, yeah, yeah, we're, we're really excited about it. And they just kind of went on to say, oh, um, there hasn't been a, m a man in three, four generations in my family that has walked through the doors of a church since my great, great, whatever, um, felt they were ripped off by a, a, a minister. And it was like, okay, you know when the conversation happens, then you sort of think, oh, okay, you know, what do I do with that? I'm sorry? Like, I, don't know, I don't know what to do. Um, but I, in a moment of, I think, divine inspiration, I said, oh, well, you can, you can break that. You can come through the doors when we move in, and I promise I won't rip you off. Do you know, like... And that's not about me, but I felt like as I was preparing, like, do you know, there are those, we still live. I felt like the power of the kingdom of God or the good news of the kingdom of God is present this morning to heal um, generation or inherited um, brokenness. And I think there are, like that, where it was an offense that's been carried from generation to generation. But I also felt like this morning, and actually, why don't we stand? Um, I felt like this morning, if you're here this morning, and you kind of, um, you carry with you almost a, a kind of a worry around, around an inherited medical condition that, like, Science can, can sort of rationalize it all you want. Like, like I get it. Like, we're generationally, we are, we are made up physically of the DNA of our mother and the DNA of our father, and that comes to make up our DNA, and part of that comes with it. But what I, what I feel like this morning is let's believe and pray and invite the power of the kingdom of God to come in and change the very DNA of who you are. And that just because your father or your mother or your grandmother or your great-grandmother or your great-grandfather had this, the power of God is such that that does not have to be your future. Does that resonate with anyone? If it does, can you just put up your hand? You won't have to come forward. We'll do staying in your seat. So, already, yep, already have happened. Yep, yep, already have happened or even just like, medically that it's like yeah you have it now but you don't want it to be your future 
The other thing I really felt like um, was then just even in the um, the sense of, and this is maybe maybe feeling a little bit, maybe making yourself a little bit more vulnerable, but even just carrying um, the offense or hurt from from your, from your, maybe even from yourself, but even I feel like it's generationally linked. So whether, and it feels like it could go both ways. Like Angel and I are always so careful about like, we've done this role now for 15 years and we've always been really, try to be really careful. And it's always a, a nudge when our kids, because let's, you know, I hope you're really, I hope you're aware of like doing this role for a while, you get some scars along the way. Like it's not, it's not all rainbows and butterflies, let me tell you. But, but, We've always been so cautious or careful about speaking into that our children don't take on our offense. Our children don't take on the hurts that, you know, we've carried along the way. And it's because it's a really natural human thing. Like how many know when someone you love, someone hurts them, they become public enemy number one. You know, like, no, there's no holding me back. You know, like they're dead to me. They're all this. Um, and I felt like there were the power of the good news of the kingdom is you actually were never made to carry that offense. And, and the power of the good news of the gospel is this morning that, that, that Jesus is present to break the chains of those offenses off your life today. That we were never made to carry, you were never ever made to carry those things. And then the, the final invitation, and if anyone feels like they really have kind of the heart, you know, that heart going crazy, that you feel like there's a ministry opportunity that you've given, I'll open it. But the last one I felt like I had was around the whole um, contextualizing the gifts for the time and the place that we find ourselves in. And I feel like there's, there might be some people here today that you feel like you've been given a gift, but it almost feels like, and I kind of got the picture of like a wedding, you know how, how often like in wedding dresses you kind of, um, like a mother might give her daughter a wedding dress to wear, but almost without exception, there's, there's alterations that go on. For, for that to become her wedding dress, for the, what she wanted. And I feel like the power of the gospel of the kingdom of God is present today, that you've been given something, you've been given a gift, but I feel like the Holy Spirit is wanting to um, almost give you permission to contextualize that gift in a way that makes it your own. That it, that it isn't someone else's. It's, it's yours. So, if, I, if any of those things, and does anyone have anything else that they feel like, you know, you're just really like, I actually think there's an invitation here that... Going once, going twice, sold. All right. So, if, do you have something? Oh, person, but, but not something to share with everyone. Oh, no, no, okay. So if any of, if those, either of those words about generational, about um, hereditary, whether that's physical, but also that, that kind of offense or hurt, 
or the contextualizing of the gift. If those, if any one of those three things you feel like are you and you would love to um, love for the power of the good news of the kingdom of God to break in and to change. Can you just put your hand up? So everyone's eyes are open. Have a look around. We've got hands. If you've got someone near to you, I want you to go around and just, if you don't know them, introduce yourself and then just ask briefly. People, you know, be as, share as much as you want, especially around some of those areas that are a little bit more, um, a little bit more personal, you know, just share what, what you want to share and, um, and then let's just pray. So hands up again, sorry, eyes open. Now, everyone that doesn't have their hand up, go to someone who has their hand up. And we're just going to, and we'll, and we'll pray. Now. Yeah, we'll keep the music up a little bit. So is everyone that had their hand up, have they got someone around them? If you haven't, just put your hand up once more and we'll, someone will just come along and, and you just pray. You just pray. Um, be open to be open to what um, God may be saying. Be aware of, you know, if 